Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teamwork A Better Way podcast. I'm Christian Napier, joined by the man in blue, Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you? Fabulous. I'm so happy to be with the other man in blue. How are you? We color coordinated. Uh, Doing well. Uh, You showed me before we we went on air here that uh, you are recovering. It looks like fairly rapidly from your thumb surgery or your your wrist surgery or whatever it was. So I had uh, a therapist make this little specific uh, uh, customized thumb protector for me that I get to wear so that I'm uh, that it's healing and it's healing quite quickly. You know, I'm doing therapy every day uh, on my own and uh, it's amazing. I mean, the surgery was just what, 20, 20 days ago. And, and uh, it's amazing how quickly we start to heal, but it seems like it's not fast enough <laughs> still. Well, when you first showed that to me, I thought maybe you were getting into MMA or something, right? You're uh, <laughs> ultimate fighting. <laughs> no, no. Ready to yeah. take some people out. You know, I, I, I got to stay far, far away from that. But, uh, well, hey, it's been it's been a minute since I saw you in uh, in Florida. Yeah, it's been a lot has transpired since then. We helped our daughter move the last of her belongings up to Seattle. And so we were up there. Uh, up until the end of last week. And so uh, I've only been back in town a few days since since Influence because we went over there uh, right after Influence uh, up to Seattle. So how about you? I'm, I'm, you've been really busy too. Yeah, I just got back from Las Vegas, headed to, and then going to tomorrow, I'm heading up to the mountains for a, uh, camping with a girls camp. And then Sunday headed to Sioux Falls to South Dakota. And just calendar is booked all the way till first week in in October. I'm I'm super excited about what's going on. But we have little spots here and there that we're going to have our podcast and we have some great guests coming up. Hopefully we'll have a chance to talk about that. Melissa and Fola and Tim Keating, CEO of uh RC Stevens Construction Company, past president of ABC. I mean we're going to have some some great guests on the show coming up interspersed oh, through all that craziness excited. well and then right before we get to our topic um we should note that this could be the last episode from your current digs yeah my see the pictures are down already for, behind me we're we're packing up and and moving i've got uh two two and a half weeks and we'll be in our new home well congratulations and i can't wait to uh see the new place and and see your new office it's going to be uh super exciting uh to 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 start going from there but uh you chose spencer a really interesting topic i'm so excited to discuss it today with our listeners and viewers so why don't you why don't you kind of bring us up to speed on on what you want to talk about today yeah you know i i I just was really struck at the our influence conference about the impact that mentors have on others and not only that but on themselves i I am so grateful for the the mentors that i've had in in my life and i find myself spending you know a lot of time with 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 other people and i feel like this is such uh, you know an important thing to to understand as a leader the benefits that it has for your organization to be a mentor to be a sponsor i'll talk about maybe some of the differences of those and if you are somebody that is wanting to, to learn and to grow, to find a good mentor uh, to, to help you. And we'll talk about maybe some of the things to look for and the benefits and some of the risks of, of mentorship, just because I think it has a profound impact on, on individuals and also on teams when you have people that are willing to invest and sponsor others to help them succeed. It's really inspiring and amazing to me. And I, you know, I was just thinking, you know, who's got your back? You know, think about that right now. If you're listening to this, do you have somebody that that has your best interest at heart that you trust and they trust you? Do you um, have someone that's promoting, you know, your brand? If you're a mentor, right, singing your praises as someone who is capable and, and helpful, uh, who's expanding your capabilities by bringing skills that maybe you don't have, and who is extremely loyal to you. So those are some, you know, great benefits that 
that that come. And so I just I was inspired, and I thought maybe we could talk about this a little bit and and some of the lessons that through some of the lessons that you and I have learned. Well, why don't we dive a little bit into uh, what you witnessed there? at the recent influence conference so so give us a little bit of the background here you're at the uh the speaker hall of fame induction i guess for lack of a better term uh and you know people are up there talking and giving their speeches and whatnot so so unfortunately i was not able to attend because i had to catch a plane to get to get back home uh but you were able to be there and 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 what did you see well, first of all, just so impressed with the quality of the of the speakers that were inducted into the Speaker Hall of Fame. It's what's called CPAE, and this is a an award that is given uh, because of your peers recognizing your excellence as as a speaker. And every year, there's four or five that are are chosen and nominated, and then uh, peers uh, review board looks at them. And of course, they get up and they talk about how they got there. And in almost every case, there was somebody that that helped them, that mentored them, that that taught them the the business, the the ins and outs. And it's interesting. One of the ones that uh, that I heard was Dr. Delatoro McNeil, and he, one of the things they said about them him is that he has mentored five CSPs. Well, the CSP is a certified speaking professional. So here's somebody who's now inducted into the Hall of Fame who has uh, who has helped other people become very successful. It's the highest earned award that you can get as the CSP. And so he's helped five of them. And one of them we happen to have on our show. And that was Frank Kitchen, if you recall, I think back in January or February time frame, we we had uh, Frank, and he is an incredible speaker, just a wonderful human being. And turns out that Dr. Delatoro was his mentor. And so I'm like, wow, there's there's such a, a interesting connection between those who are successful, most successful, and uh, who are really up and coming. And I look at Frank, and he's just such a great guy, but he's doing so many things. He's involved in the association. He's he's out in his community. He's he's uh, he's creating an incredible brand, and and he, I'm sure he's learned a lot of that from Dr. Delatoro, who interestingly enough said that his mentor was also at the NSA event, who happens to be Les Brown. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, people listening have almost assuredly heard of of Les Brown, who is uh, you know a famous motivational speaker and he's highly highly regarded well he happened to be at, at the conference today because his protege uh, dr delatoro mcneil was getting the the cpae well it turns out that les brown also had a mentor <laughs> and that mentor is mike williams and you know he so les uh, credits his success to mike williams as a communication expert and said, you know, he recognized Brown's talent and mentored him on refining his speaking skills and amplifying his message and building his career as a, as a professional speaker. I'm like, you know what? We all need somebody. You know, I, I, I've been speaking for a long time. And the longer that I'm in this business, the more I realize how much there is to know. I, I, I don't think people really understand what public speaking is, is all about. Think well, you just get up and present or talk to slides and you know tell people about your expertise. There's so much to it as you're learning, right? And 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 you're meeting all these these great these great speakers, and there's just so much to learn. And I'm so excited to learn. And I, I've learned a lot from other great people, but at this phase in my life, I I feel a little bit of a, a lack because I'd like to have you know I'm getting older, but I still think that there's so much I have to learn. I still want a mentor. And somebody that I can that I can turn to, and so I'm, you know, I just was really, really struck, and so that's that's where this idea to talk about this came from today. I have to ask you a question here, Spencer. Uh, what's the difference between a mentor and, say, a boss or a coach or an advisor? You know, what is it that kind of separates a mentor from these other people who 
who could they can be helpful right uh yeah and, and but but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're mentors and mentors may not be coaches or advisors or it may not be your boss right That's especially right. in the speaking profession so what is it that kind of distinguishes a mentor from some of these other roles that other people might play well i mean you could you know a, a, a coach and a boss can be a mentor i think it has to do with the relationship and the longevity of of that relationship i think you know a boss is is someone who is responsible for creating certain outcomes and so you know you are an employee and you uh, report to them and you know you show up and you do your job and and you hit your goals and your numbers and you get reviews the mentorship relationship goes deeper it goes to the fact that you have a vested interest in in a member of your team that you are going to help learn the industry the the business the you know actually this this whole process of mentorship is how you know anybody ever used to learn how to to learn any career you would go if you were going to become a blacksmith you would choose a blacksmith well the blacksmith would would have to choose somebody that was going to stick with it and work hard and and uh, make their time worth it right i mean that was your education you would work with somebody for a long time and not just to boss them around but to teach them so that eventually they could go out on their own i i think a mentor and, and there's actually another level of mentor which is called a sponsor a sponsor is someone that really has your best interest at heart that uh, has a vested interest in your success may introduce you to additional opportunities may promote you and your brand may help you to to go out on on your own so not only mentor you but but really work towards your 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 success and i think that uh, like i say a boss or a coach can do that but most of the time bosses are are just hey you need to do your job what i what i pay you to do and and i like you and respect you and and we we show up but I'm not spending that extra time to really help you get to where I am. I think that's the big difference. What do you think the difference is? Uh, that, I, I, you know, I echo everything that you said. I think another thing that's really interesting with mentorship, uh, from a mentee standpoint, it's very easy to see the benefits of having a mentor, right? So you, you have access to networks, you learn new things that maybe you otherwise wouldn't learn uh, very nuanced things. When it comes to the mentor, uh, what are the benefits, right? We look at, for example, uh, uh, in sport, we were talking about this beforehand, uh, coaching trees, right? There, yeah. you, have, you have coaches who have, let's take football, for example, you have offensive and defensive coordinators and they have position coaches right and and you can see these coaching trees it's almost like a genealogy of of coaching uh, you look at the national basketball association it looks it seems to me like half of the coaches the head coaches uh used to work for greg popovich and he was their mentor in some respect and when i when i talk about the benefits you know one of the challenges i think uh but also maybe one of the more altruistic uh, results of mentorship is that you are either training your replacement or you are mentoring someone to leave the nest and leave you, you know, and if you, if they are, uh, uh, a subordinate, which means that you are almost planning attrition, right? It's like, Hey, I'm, I'm helping this person, uh, grow and they're going to become amazing. And eventually they're going to want to leave this nest that I have built. Uh, and so, you know, there might be a tendency to kind of say, well, I don't know, you know, it, maybe, maybe the, you know, the costs are significant because I'm, I'm going to lose this star that I have, I have cultivated, you know, yeah. and they're going to leave and I'm going to have to reply. I'm going to have to find another one, but so, so, so think of, so think of Mike Krzyzewski, Krzyzewski, for example, a head coach at, at Duke university. And who was his mentor? Dean Smith at at uh, at you know Chapel Hill, North Carolina, right? And so I remember when when Shashevsky's teams would beat Dean Smith, it's like, oh, it's the it's the protege beating the the mentor, and what a big deal that 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 was. 
And so it's like, wow, well, you know, I'm, I'm training my competition to come back and beat me if I'm a coach or, or a player or even in, in business, right? I'm a, somebody's going to go out and, and compete against me. So I, I think it's a good question and a fair question. And I think there's still some very, very clear benefits. How does Mike Shashevsky talk about Dean Smith? Oh, with reverence, you know, and utmost respect. How do and people, gratitude. And gratitude. How do people talk about Greg Popovich, who worked for him? The same, right? Love, uh, adoration, and gratitude. And and they still they still will call him and you know talk about hey I have this problem and he still helps them even though they're on a, on a competing team, it, so what why would he do that? Well, first of all, what happens if you keep all of that knowledge and all of that information to yourself? Well, you just can't function. I mean, you can't do everything by yourself, right? You can't do everything by yourself. But, you know, you think, I, I think of the metaphor of the, the Dead Sea, right? Nothing's flowing out of it. It just, it, it just everything's coming into it, but it's, it's holding on to it. It's not giving out of it. I think, you know, the whole rhythm or circle of, of life is we, we create our replacements. We, we share, we pass on what we have. There's no legacy without that. There's no growth of the next generation uh, without it. So we, as, as mentors or people that have knowledge, once we share it, it helps us to, to live, to grow, to, uh, to be remembered. But more importantly, while those people were on the staff of those coaches or even in your business or on your team, hopefully they're bringing value to you as a mentor, as a leader in your organization. And hopefully, as you said, they're making it easier because you're not doing it all on your own. It is, I think, incumbent on mentors or sponsors to find people who actually compliment them. This is a this is a plug for for inclusiveness, right? So find someone of a, a different gender, different uh, different sex, different backgrounds, different language. And mentor them. Why? Because they're going to bring a perspective to the team that you as a mentor may not have. And you are then able to share what you have and your perspective and your knowledge on them. And then they then in turn feed back to the organization their experience, their loyalty, their commitment, their gratitude, certainly while they're with you. Or you can just be a boss, tell them what to do, and have them be a crappy employee and leave you. And, and, and badmouth you, which would you rather have? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting to hear you say this, Spencer, because, you know, oftentimes, again, I kind of go back to the sports. When you look at the coaches, uh, yeah. when a new head coach is hired, it's, you know, he's never done it before. Or she's never done it before. Uh, what they do oftentimes is take influences from their mentor, but they're not carbon copies to your point. Oh, for sure. They are bringing their own perspective and adding to the knowledge and the wisdom that their mentor has provided. So they create a different way. And, and it just reinforces what you were saying, which is if you just do it yourself and you don't mentor people, then it's very easy for you to become scale and to be limited because not only do you have a lack of capacity, uh, but it shows that you're not necessarily open to new ideas. From and people yeah, yeah, and you're not growing and changing. And so as a mentor, the benefit is you have people pouring back into you new perspectives, new ideas. And that's what, that's what that inclusiveness brings is, is new perspective for the mentor. And, uh, there are so, so, so many benefits to the team from that, bringing that, that new perspective back in. So, so that's why you train your competition <laughs> because while they're there, they're, they're, they're going to make a huge impact. And when they leave, they're going to promote you. They're going to promote your brand, which means you have the opportunity to mentor someone else. And this is a, a process that should not just be, you know, a year or two. I mean, if you if you think about, for example, here in in our valley, you know, we we live out in the west. We have some, uh, we love football here in the state of Utah. We have some great head coaches. The University of Utah has been coached for, by over twenty years by Kyle Whittingham. 
who was a protege of Lavelle Edwards. And I, and I know you want to, I want you to talk about that. And also uh, uh, Kalani Sataki was a protege of Edwards and Whittingham. And now they're, they're, they're competitors, right? They're at different universities, but they love each other. They spend time, they talk to each other, they help each other because again, they bring that, that varied experience. So even though they're competitors, the, 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 the benefit of having someone that you know and trust means that you can, that you can counsel together and, and there's a benefit in that. And uh, Lavelle Edwards has so many protégés. Why? Because people are not going to stay with you. They're not going to stay with you even if you treat them amazingly well and pay them so much. Why? Because eventually people need to grow on their own. It's going to happen. Well, do you want them to leave and, and, and talk bad about you? Or do you want them to, to say good things about you? And so that you have the opportunity to get the best protégés and mentees possible. If you think about the recruiting process, you know, when, when we opened up the, the transfer portal, where do players go? They go where they're going to get attention and learning and growth opportunities. When you take a job, hopefully you're taking a job where you're going to get investment of energy and time from somebody. If not, you need to go somewhere else, right? So if you create a, a culture of, of where you're mentoring people, the chances of you getting the best protégés goes up. Now, there is a risk of being a sponsor, right, or a mentor. And that is, is that you have someone that you invest time and energy in, and they fail. And that, in, in many ways, can hurt your brand, right? It, it, it can be a, a, a negative reflection on you. So one of the things that, that you need to be careful of is who you mentor. In, in many respects, they need to be worthy of, of your attention. There needs to be some due diligence on your part because they need to be trustworthy enough. If you're mentoring somebody that's bad-mouthing you or, or uh, taking advantage of, of, of your good uh, efforts on, on their behalf, um, that's not a great relationship. It's a dysfunctional relationship. So you want to you want to study. You want to sure if you're a, a, a protege, you want to find the best mentor, and the mentors want to find the best proteges. It's why coaches want to recruit the best potential players to be on their team. Well, I want to come back to what you were saying about the the coaches here in the state of Utah, uh, because relationships it really comes down to relationships as you mentioned uh uh both kyle whittingham and kalani sataki they they maintained relationships with their mentor lavelle edwards long after they left that program uh similarly you know urban meyer was the head coach and very successful uh you know a bit controversial these days but very successful during his short tenure at utah he left in 2004 Kyle Whittingham was his defensive coordinator, later promoted to head coach. They talk almost every week. Today, yeah, almost 20 years later, you know, that's that's what a, a great mentor does, right? And a great mentor. Yeah, like I said, it's not a two or three year commitment. It's right. a it's, lifetime. It, it's right. It's a lifetime. These people, they stay connected for, for decades after they've worked together, after the other person has left the nest, uh, they stay connected and they continue to help each other. And that's why I think a, a mentorship, uh, you know, is really based on a healthy uh, relationship that is that is mutually beneficial. It benefits both parties. That's right, and that's why picking the the right protege for trustworthiness is uh, really really important if you if you're choosing to mentor someone. Obviously, you can't pour into everyone. So, you know, pick one or two that you're working with because it takes, it takes energy. Yet, as you said earlier, the, the benefit is that you're getting your increased capacity to get things done. If you bring someone in with different skill sets than, than you to, to work with you and you're getting that, that loyalty and you just, there's so many things that, that benefit. So let's take a, just a quick break.
So we've talked about risks. We've talked about how to how to pick. Um, I want to mention just a couple of, of books that I think are uh, are some great examples, and then maybe we can talk about some other examples of of, of mentors. Uh, one of the the books that I'm reading for uh, th- this is just such an uh, incredible knowledge in this book, and if you haven't read it, and you're in business. I recommend it, and that is Measure What Matters by John Doerr. Uh, John is teaching the principle of, of uh, objectives and key results, you know, management by objectives and, and, and key results. And it's a, a system that he learned from his mentor, Andy Grove. Now, Andy Grove was the third CEO of Intel Corporation, and he escaped from uh, from Hungary in, in the People's Republic of Hungary in 1956 during the revolution. I think it's funny he had to escape from a People's Republic, right? But uh, where there was great oppression and he came to this country, he was driven and uh, and motivated. He created an incredible organization. But he, he created this concept. Um, so often, you know, we, we've been taught about key performing indicators or KPIs. And they really don't have a soul. And he wanted to create a system where you could have an overall objective and then key results that tied to that, but not just from the top down that were, that were really living and, and dynamic and bought into by the entire team. And he was so good at it that John Doerr learned this system and then went on and shared it with the founders of Google. And, you know, when he first met with them, they had an idea of how big they could be in terms of, you know, CapEx and, you know, you think you could be, uh, uh, 10 billion, I think. And, and they said, we think we can be 10 billion. There are you know, hundred, hundreds of billions in, in, in CapEx, but they, they, they credit John Doerr's uh, meeting with them when they started about setting up this process. And he, you know, worked with them over the years. And that system that he learned from Andy Grove came into Google. And, and so many other people are using this. It's just the impact that one person, Andy Grove, and I'm sure he was impacted by somebody else, can have on our world today. And so I think that's a, that's a great book. And the knowledge that you learn in this is spectacular to help you uh, to set goals with, for your organization, for your teams. And the other one is this, what's called the sponsor effect. And this is just how to be, you know, a better leader by investing in others, which is what what we're talking about. And in this, there are uh, they call sponsorship. It, it, it's just taking mentorship to the next level. And there are seven steps that that um, uh, Sylvia Ann Hewlett shares. And I just want to share these with 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 you and, and our listeners. Number one, identify potential proteges. Know what to look for in the talent you're considering sponsoring starting with performance and loyalty. Not everybody earns the right for your time and attention. You've got to find people that are willing to, to, uh, to be taught, to be humble, um, and again, to uh, not just because they're going to tout your brand, but because you want to have someone that, that, that is worthy of, of your effort. And I think that's appropriate. Comments about that? you agree? Oh yeah, I I totally agree, one hundred percent. I don't know if that if those uh, items that you've got the seven items are ranked, but I would be hard pressed to find something that's probably more important than that. I mean, right? What do you think? So both way, I, I think it's both ways. Find the the right mentor and the right protege, and and that may take some time. So don't don't rush to that right away, or or you know just because you feel like you need to be a mentor or have have proteges be wise. Yeah. Number two, include diverse perspectives. We talked a little bit about that. Find those who are different from you in their mindset and viewpoints or in their gender, age, ethnicity, experience, or background. And for the reasons that we talked about, they're going to bring a diversity to the team, to you, to your capabilities. And I think that are uh, very important. Uh, yeah. Once again, here I am echoing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Echoing the thought, which is, um, and we've talked about it already, you know, how important it is to have that diversity because it expands you. It doesn't stagnate you, right? Exactly. Number three, inspire for uh, performance and loyalty. Ensure that your protégés 
values align with yours and use their passion and ambition to spur them forward. That's important. If you have someone that has different values than you, it that's that's going to lead to a divorce, right? I mean, you you, you want to be able to have someone that, uh, you know, if, if integrity is important to you, they're integrous, right? They are uh, someone that you can trust and, and respect because you're going to share with them your, your secrets and what you know. And uh, so that's, I think that's really, really important. All right. So playing devil's advocate here, Spencer, what's, What's the difference between bringing on diverse viewpoints and having differences in values? I think that is a great question. You know, I, I, I you like to throw me on the spot, and and I love it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, yeah, no, I just, no, no, no. It, this is this that. is this is perfect because one of the, you know, I just I just taught. Um, uh, you remember, uh, I, I don't know if it was, I think it was two years ago. I did that sales training with you, Melissa and everybody that uh, we did that during the pandemic, uh, virtually, um, cool. it's called, uh, results in, in business development, sales and business development. And a big message of, of this workshop is understanding our own biases and how that gets in our way as, as salespeople and how to begin to if you can learn to connect with people that are different than you, um, your, your sales will increase without having any more leads. Just there are certain people that are repelled by us and, and we by them by how they communicate and how they behave. And some people believe it's inauthentic to, to, to adapt to your, your environment. I disagree because I'm not asking you to change your values or your beliefs, your values inform your beliefs and those beliefs create expectations those expectations lead to your attitudes your attitudes lead to your behavior so if you have a value for example that um all people are deserving of your kindness and, and attention um that you that you, you value uh, treating people fairly right uh, then your belief is, is that, that you're going to treat them with dignity and respect. Now that could mean that the expectation is, is that you, that that's reciprocated. And if it's not, you might react negatively, but if you believe your value is, is that, that you're going to do that unconditionally, then it doesn't matter how they respond to you. And, and that will affect your attitude and, and your behavior. I can have a goal to treat people with dignity and respect or, uh, uh, and because that comes from my values of how I think people should be respected and treated, which means my behavior is I'm going to adapt so that I can give them the best possible experience and treat them in a way that is, is, uh, uh, that they feel respected. That's in alignment with my values. If your goal is to be, you know, bottom line driven and, and, and hit, big numbers and sales or just profitability. And that means you need to change your approach. I think you'll do it because that's in alignment with your values, right? I'm asking you to change behavior, not values. So when it comes to finding somebody that thinks differently and acts differently, your values can be in alignment, but you can express it differently. So I don't think there is any, uh, I don't think there's any conflict there deep. Yeah. So what you're saying is if I had a value that was, well, it's uh, survival of the fittest and to each his own or her own and um, you get what you deserve, then our core values conflict because, you know, my value is uh, every person matters and they deserve to be treated with kindness and respect. And if you're if your value, your underlying value is people are to be uh, used and, and abused and. And, you know, and, and there are people with that there, you're replaceable. You are a cog in the machine. Yeah. So then it's not going to work. Right. Even if we were somehow able to align our behaviors, I think those underlying values would be so conflicting that, uh, over time it just would break down. So that's exactly right. That's why that, that's why that matters. So number four is work with them 
to fill the skills gap, right? Because they are going to be needing to develop skills that they don't have. That's why you're working with them and mentoring them. So uh, you need to develop them where they need to grow. And that could be in, in hard knowledge or uh, soft skills. Again, for people listening, I, I, I hate those word, you know, soft skills. And, and that really comes from the military. I think we've mentioned this, you know, at some point in our, our podcast, they called hard skills uh, being able to shoot a machine gun or drive a tank or fix a piece of equipment. And the soft skills were all about the motivation and the engaging of the people who do those things. And soft skills are infinitely more valuable. I mean, you need to have the hard skills, but they have the, they have the biggest impact on the success of the unit. And so that's where those words come from. But sometimes I think people listen to those and they hear that soft skills and they think, oh, those are the less important things. So both hard skills and soft skills, you, you have to identify those gaps and help them. Uh, step number five, inspect your prospects. Keep an eye on your protégés to ensure that they're continuing to deliver performance and most importantly, that they're continuing to be trustworthy because you may need to address that. Um, you know, I, I've told the story of, of my mentor, Kelvin Cullimore, who I admire and just revere, but Kelvin was tough and he was tough on me. And I remember one time he sat me down and he said, Spencer, you've, you've got to make some changes in your role. And I'm going to give you six months to, to turn it around. Here's what you need to do. But if you can't do that, I'm going to have to find someone else that will. But as my, as my mentor, he's like, okay, I, I have expectations of you. And I think a coach does the same thing. You sometimes have a player that gets in a funk or in their head and you got to take them out of the game. You got to sit them for a while until they are back where they can be be productive. Well, because of my relationship with Kelvin, I was not frustrated or deterred. Some people today may look at that and say, "Oh, that's just you know, uh, he shouldn't he should you shouldn't threaten someone to to lose their job." That is, you know, that that those are power dynamics. And I'm like, no, he told me exactly what I needed to do to be successful, not only for for, for me, but to help the company. That's why I'm there. You know, he once, he once said something that initially uh, irritated me. He said, um, your job is to make my job easier. Was he right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound fair. You're supposed to be the <laughs> boss. I'm making your job easier. But what I, you know, what, what you have to realize is he was running two publicly traded companies, extremely busy individual and so many responsibilities. And if I wasn't making his life easier by, by bringing value, what use am I? But that's a, that's a hard doctrine, isn't it? Yeah. yeah but you know what? I, I appreciate this approach because uh, when you talk about this fifth point, which is uh, filling skills gaps, right? depending on the individual they may just not be able to fill those gaps for whatever for whatever reason right it's just not in their wheelhouse and and so i actually think it's it, it sounds a bit morbid but it's it's benevolent to say okay i'm going to give you this amount of time to get this figured out and if you can't figure it out, it just means that we have a skills gap that we cannot fix. It, right. it, it, and and then there's no point in having you just continue in this in, in this role because you're just going to repeatedly fail. So let's find a place for where you can be successful. And I, you know, I, I just that's kind of the way that I kind of look at that is is yes, it could come across as harsh uh, or like you talk about this power dynamics, but actually in my view, it's actually a benevolent thing. Hey, I want you to succeed. This is what it takes to be successful here. If you can't do that, it's all right. There could be another place for you where you could, your skills that you have could be put to better use. You know, I, I, he was absolutely benevolent. He, he truly did care, cared about me, cared about my family. Uh, but part of his due diligence was I, 
he knew me from a, a, our, our church organization. He actually interviewed me. Uh, I happened to be serving in a position at, at the time up at the University of Utah at a, at a student uh, branch of our, of our church. And uh, he interviewed me because he became the new regional leader. I mean, kind of like a Monsignor, or we call it a stake president. And I was serving on a, uh, on a high council. And he, uh, he interviewed me, decided to, to keep me. Um, but he got to know me there. And when he interviewed me, he brought me out, you know, brought me out to where I would be living, uh, and brought my wife because he wanted to observe how we interacted, how I treated her. He even told me that afterwards. He's, you know, he, so he, here was somebody who was wise in who he hired. And even though I had my failings, uh, he saw something in my wife that enabled him to hire me. <laughs> Uh, he trusted her maybe more than he than he trusted me, but um, for me, because of the relationship and trust I had in him, his challenge to me motivated me. And after the end of that six months, he promoted me to vice president. I became at twenty seven years old. I was vice president of a publicly traded company, and it was you know huge responsibility and liability on on my part. But I had been mentored by someone that. Um, I, I trusted and knew that it would not put me in a position to, to fail and challenge me at the same time, benevolently, as you said. And I think that's exactly right. Oh, we got we got two uh, two things left here, Spencer, on your okay. list, right? Instigate a deal, having inspired, instructed, and inspected. Now make the ask. So you know, basically, you know, it has to go two ways. Say I'm going to find someone that I want to I want to make you my my protege, and so go out and ask. And, and possibly, uh, if you're somebody looking for a mentor, you know, if you just, if you're just looking for a mentor because you need help, uh, you need to do a little bit of due diligence and show why you deserve their time and attention. Because you can certainly ask yourself, listen, I'd love it if you'd be my, my mentor. And that may sound like it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the word flattering, but, uh, you've got to make sure that you're going to be doing the work. I'm curious about this, Spencer. I, I, I have a couple of people in my life who I considered mentors. Yeah. But, you know, we never had this kind of formal arrangement. It just was, I guess it was almost unspoken. Yeah. Uh, they took me under their wing. They, I learned a lot from them. Uh, we stayed in touch for years afterwards uh, but it just kind of happened organically. It wasn't something that I was uh, necessarily, you know, actively asking or formally asking, could you be my mentor or vice versa? You know, the person saying, hey, you know, I, I want you to be my protege. So so I'm not familiar personally with the experience of having to do this kind of formal asking. What was what's your experience been? In this so uh, one I just shared with you, and that was formal in the sense that I was interviewed and hired. And then, uh, you know, I, Kelvin became became my mentor. I, I, I don't know that we had a formal contract other than I, I worked for him. So he was my boss, but he was much more than that. And so it's a mentor relationship because the relationship went beyond just work. Um, and in addition to that, I have been involved in organizations like Project Management Institute where different chapters, they have mentorship programs for the project managers, especially up and coming project managers, or even project managers that are experienced, but want the access to someone that has more experience and they have a formalized coaching process. So I, I did that for several years with one chapter in, in, in Poland, for example, I'm actually going to be speaking to them, this, to their, to the start of their mentor program in September to all the, the mentors that will be, uh, be mentoring others. But the, the process was, was very formal. They would identify mentors and they would, uh, and it's not just coaching, right? I mean, they, they have access to you uh, when they have problems and, and you can have conversations and, and, you know, there's definitely coaching uh, to it. But they wanted to find someone that was a good fit, again, for both, so that it was a positive, uh, engaging experience. So there are programs that, that uh, uh, match people together. Then are organizations, for example, like uh, PwC, where they find uh, internal mentors and they give them a almost like a sabbatical for two years. 
where they no longer have day-to-day P&L responsibilities, but they are senior managers within the firm that spends time with a protege. And it is a formalized process. They actually, it's like they're taking a sabbatical from work, from doing the, you know, everyday responsibilities to now developing their replacements. And it, it is a purposeful program. Yeah. And I, I like all of those ideas. Sometimes I wonder, uh, you know, talking about things like alignment of values and so on and so forth, right? Uh, sometimes there is a risk in these more formalized programs where you're kind of forcing someone, you're, you're forcing people together that may not necessarily be the, the right fit. And so, so uh, you know, care must be taken, but I, I really like that approach. Okay. One more, one more of your, the, the last item on your list. Okay. You, you got to be all in and you got to commit your political capital, your clout, uh, you know, providing some air cover so that your proteges can take risks and, uh, you know, they're, they're going to mess up. And so you need to recognize that that's going to happen and you got to, you got to help them. You got to help them work through that. And obviously that means you have to have enough political capital to be able to take, take some hits now and then, because, you know, think of every sporting organization. I mean, there are, there are losses that happen. There are mistakes that are made. There are shots that are missed. There are, uh, matchups that that don't work and so you have to you have to adjust and and uh and work through those 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 difficulties just like kelvin worked through those with me you know he gave me some time to to write the the ship and 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 i did that so he was all in but he also was committed to making sure that i knew what the expectations were and it wasn't uh it, it wasn't a blank check so well ultimately it comes down to do I believe in this person? Yeah. Right. And, and if you believe in them, then you're willing to do that. And coming back to the sports analogy, uh, no, in coaching, for example, no coach is undefeated. No player hits every shot. Uh, exactly. You might make 52% of, of your shots, which means that you're failing 48% of the time, or you might win, you know, if you're Kyle Winningham, you might have a winning percentage that's like uh, 65% to 70%. I don't remember what this exact percentage is, which means that you're quote unquote failing 30 to 35% of the time, right? So you can't expect everybody to be flawless. They can't be perfect, um, but you can still have a belief in them. And, and uh, ultimately, they'll deliver you more wins than they will losses. <laughs> So one of the things I, I put on our uh, little promo for today is, you know, get unstuck. And if you're feeling stuck right now in your career, in your job, in your wherever you are, you may be a solopreneur, you may be a, at the top of, uh, of your organization, and you're feeling like you're just, something's not, not there, I, I think it is incumbent to find someone to help you to get unstuck. And I, I approach people all the time. They certainly help me with, with those things. But, uh, I think having that ask for a more formal relationship is, is, uh, is important. And if you look at the sports world, I mean, Michael Jordan mentored Kobe, Serena Williams had Billie Jean King, you know, you've got Drew Brees and, and Peyton Manning, uh, you know, Peyton Manning's a future hall of fame, uh, quarterback. And he was mentored by by Drew Brees. Tiger Woods, well, he learned from Jack Nicholas, one of the greatest of all times. In 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 business, Warren Buffett's one of the most successful investors in history, took young Bill Gates under his wing. Look where Bill is today. Uh, Oprah Winf Winfrey, you know, she had Gail King. She's a, a media mogul, and she learned from from Gail, who was a prominent journalist and, and and television personality, and guided her through through all the the challenges and where are the pitfalls and 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 look at the success that she's had. Um, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you know, has Sheryl Sandberg when she joined. Um, 
as the chief operating officer back in 2008. You know, they, they formed a mentoring relationship. Now uh, Cheryl is just doing incredible things. Steve Jobs was the one who helped Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> so there's, you can see this, just like you said, coaching tree, the same as in business. Well, that takes us back to, you know, where I, where I started. There are so many speakers out there. Tony Robbins, he learned from, you know, John Rohn, Brene Brown from Maya Angelou, uh, you know, Mel Robbins from Chris Wiedner. People who are doing some of the greatest things in their field didn't just get there on their own. They got there with and through the encouragement, the the, the teaching, the the empowerment, the the correction of of a mentor or a sponsor, and those sponsors uh, benefit so much by giving to others and keeping them young and getting back that new perspective. And I encourage you, if you are a uh, wanting to be a mentor or a sponsor, that you you do that and you find someone that is worthy of your attention, and you get all in. And I think that the benefits that come from this will be huge. So I think that's uh, the message for today and uh, help others get unstuck. And you get unstuck yourself by finding someone who is, who's willing to invest in you. All right, Spencer. Well, if people are looking to get unstuck, either they're trying to find uh, someone to, uh, as a successor, so they want to be a mentor, or they are looking for a mentor, uh, you know, you can help them. What's the best way for people to reach out and connect with you? Reach out to me on on LinkedIn. Just Spencer Horn, Altium Leadership, and uh, happy to talk. I was just asked recently to to mentor somebody. So, um, and and people need it. They want it. And and again, look for someone that is more diverse from you. I think that's that's important. And so how can people, I know you have so much knowledge to give and you are, you are giving it to your clients and, and to me always, every time we talk, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, same way, Spencer, just find me on LinkedIn, look up Christian Napier, you'll find me there. So thank you, Spencer, for another illuminating hour of conversation. I really appreciate it. And listeners it and viewers. already an hour? I know, I know time flies. Uh, listeners, viewers, please like us and subscribe to our podcast. We'll catch you again soon.